Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast, the place for all things kids yoga. My name is Jessica Mujis, and after teaching kids yoga for over a decade and being immersed in the industry, I created this podcast as a warm and supportive place for parents, teachers, caregivers, and kids yoga professionals to gather. Episodes include conversations with kids yoga teachers, business owners, and authors, child development experts, informational episodes on specific kids yoga topics, yoga adventures for children, and even the voices of children themselves. It is my hope that you can come here each week and gain inspiration and form connection with your fellow kids yoga community. Welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to the Kids Yoga Podcast. This week, I am joined by Jennifer Cohen Harper, and I am so thrilled to have her on the podcast. Jennifer is a yoga and mindfulness educator, author, public speaker, and mother who works to support children, teens, and families in the development of strong inner resources through the tools of yoga and mindfulness. Her goal is to help kids and those who care for them thrive in the world, regardless of circumstances, and navigate the many challenges they face with a sense of personal power and self-awareness. As the founder of Little Flower Yoga, Jennifer brings embodied mindfulness programming and education to schools and community organizations nationwide, serving students, families, educators, and mental health providers. She is also the immediate past president of, and current advisor to, the nonprofit Yoga Service Council, an originator of the annual Yoga Service Conference at Omega. Jennifer is author of Little Flower Yoga for Kids, a yoga and mindfulness program to help your child improve attention and emotional balance, as well as two children's books, Thank You Body, Thank You Heart, A Gratitude and Self-Compassion Practice for Bedtime, and Thank You Mind, Understanding Big Feelings on Tricky Days. She has created many resources for schools and families, including the popular Empower Tools Go Noodle video series and a variety of card decks and activity books. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad you could be here. Um, I want to start at the beginning of your yoga journey. So um, can you tell me, how did you find yoga? And then how did you begin teaching it to children? Sure, of course. So I started practicing yoga when I was um, a teenager. I was about 18, maybe 17, 18, somewhere in there. Um, The first class I ever took was at a gym. Um, And then I um, live in New York. So I started um, practicing at Jiva Mukti Yoga Studio in New York. And, you know, I had never, um, I just never had any experience that really, um, that really allowed me or, or invited me to 
pay attention to my body while I was doing anything with it. Mm-hmm. All of my experiences in movement were like a lot of the kids, you know, today, like very performance oriented or, or sports oriented where there was a, a goal and achievement and, you know, even, even exercise, you know, there was a, a goal of something outside of noticing. And mm-hmm. it was really surprising to me, um, the experiences that I had and how connected I felt with yoga. And um, at Jiva Mukti, there was um, a lot of emphasis on meditation. So I had that opportunity. Um, And then several years later, after I had graduated from college, um, I was about 23 and I was working in a domestic violence shelter doing um, kids programming. And it was just a small shelter and I was basically babysitting for the kids while, um, you know, while, while their mothers in this case um, were in therapy. And um, I, I wanted to do something with the kids. I just didn't want to like keep them in a room and um, make sure they were still there when the grownups came out. You know, I wanted to do something um, and it was very natural for me to start to just play with the yoga practice that I had been developing and that was really important for me at that time. Um, So it just kind of very naturally became something that I was doing a little bit here and there with these kids who were in a really um, obviously tough situation. And um, what we were doing, the movement, the breath work, just simple things in like two, three minute increments, had such a profound impact on all of us. It just changed the energy in the room completely, changed how we related to each other. Um, it changed how they saw me and how they trusted me. Um, it was it was clear that it was important. Mm. So then how did... Um... How did Little Flower Yoga come about? Because it's such a, you're such a light in the kids' yoga world. I've been teaching for a long time, but, and I've always known about Little Flower. You know, it's like um, one of the first kids' yoga companies I read about. And um, so I'm just so curious, like, how did it start and then develop into what it is? Oh, thank you for those really kind words. Um, so it started, <laughs> it's kind of funny. I, you know, I joke about it, but it kind of started because I was lonely. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I came back to New York after um, teaching out West and I, I came back to New York to go to NYU. I got a master's degree in education and, you know, I kind of knew I didn't want to be a classroom teacher, um, mostly because I didn't really like having a job. Um <laughs> having a boss. I grew up in a really entrepreneurial family. Right. So, you know, I, I, having a boss just never, um, I, I never just did well with it. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I was like, how is this going to work? You know, I'm studying education and, and public policy and, uh, you know, I care about these things so much, but I don't think I can hack it as a, as a classroom teacher, even though I love working with kids. And, um, you know, while I was in graduate school, I worked for Harlem Children's Zone. And I was very fortunate during that time. Um, I, I had gone in. Um, I had gone in for an interview as a middle school counselor, and I came out with a job as a kindergarten teacher. They're like, well, we really <laughs> need a kindergarten teacher, and I was like, you know, I I really need a job. So yes. Um, <laughs> 
And after a very short time, I realized all I ever wanted to do with that kindergarten class was yoga and mindfulness <laughs> and breath work. And, um, and Harlem Children's Zone, they were just so super supportive of it. And within a year, I had transitioned in my role to being um, a full-time yoga specialist for kindergarten through eighth graders and for mm. um, an adult program, a community-based adult program there. And I was just teaching all the time, like sometimes like sometimes like 30 to 40 yoga classes in a week, like full time. Like I'd be there eight, nine hours back to back, just class, 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 class. And then I'd teach evening classes. And, you know, after a while of that, I was like, wow, I, I can't do this at this pace, at this rate. And um, Harlem Children's Zone is a big organization with lots of locations. And there were other locations that were interested in the program. And I started thinking of it as a program, not just me, but I didn't have anyone to talk to. I had no colleagues who knew what I was doing. You know, the other people I worked with didn't really understand what my goals were. They liked the outcomes, but I didn't have anyone to bounce ideas off of. I didn't have a community. Um, and at the time, there were very, very few people um, teaching yoga in schools um, in the U.S. at least, you know, not that it wasn't happening at all, but it was fragmented. There weren't a lot of organizations. Um, there was more of a studio-based children's yoga um, community in New York, um, which was lovely, but different from what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I started Little Flower in large part as a way to just have some colleagues um, as a way to provide um, programming to other sites um, at Harlem Children's Zone and eventually to other schools. Um, I wrote a curriculum. I started training other teachers and I really kind of recruited people who had an education background. Um, and it was really lovely <laughs> to have people to talk to and, and connect with and troubleshoot with. And, you know, the whole thing really grew from there, just not wanting to do it alone. Wow. So you said your, your family is entrepreneurs. So you kind of had that in you to say, okay, now this is a company. And, and so you knew, um, you knew the steps to take to, to then start your own business or were you kind of learning as you went? <laughs> I was definitely learning as I went. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents, um, you know, had a, a string of businesses. I opened stores growing up. My parents owned uh, video rental stores. At one point they owned a, a baby store. I mean, it, it had created and lost multiple businesses over my childhood. So I had seen businesses succeed and fail. Um, I had seen my parents um, make a lot of money. And then I'd seen like our cars towed away and our house gone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were total bankruptcy and you know I, it didn't um it just didn't occur to me truly and, and and I know how um lucky I am to be able to say this and how privileged of a position I was in um to have this in my mind but it didn't occur to me that I couldn't do this hmm. like it it just you know, I, I kept working and I started the business at night. I, you know, I didn't have children at the time. I just worked around the clock. Um, but it never occurred to me that I couldn't make something of this. I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know if it would be enough to like quit my day job. Um, but it was natural to give it a try. Um, mm -hmm. But no, I had no idea what I was doing because it was a completely different type of endeavor than anything I had ever seen growing up. So, I mean, I, I was at one point, you know, this was, um, you know, 
more than 15 years ago, mm -hmm. I was like printing flyers and walking through New York City, like putting them under the doors of schools, you know, just, right. just doing yes. anything, you know, yeah. I was cold calling principals mm -hmm. and, you know, it, it was a type of outreach and a type of um, way of working in the world that I, I didn't know how to do, but I did have that kind of family entrepreneurial spirit of like, you make money, you lose money, you trust yourself to figure it out and you get a day job or you get a night job and you just, you know, you just kind right. of do it until something comes together. Right. Well, so now 15 years in with the, the, the business having grown and I'm sure developed and had so many iterations. Um, I guess I want to ask you, what's your favorite part right now? Like of of running the business? Um, is it still the teaching or is it the, do you have, have you just found new interests, especially I guess being in a pandemic now when you, everything's being changed to being online? Like what are you finding most rewarding? That's such an interesting question because it, it has evolved a lot over the years. Like I think every few years that you could have asked that question, there would have been something different, you know, that was interesting. Mm -hmm. um, What's sort of ironic for me is that the pandemic and like the complete and utter shutdown of all of our in-person school programming, of which most of our organization is based on, you know, we work with um, hundreds of schools and, and not being able to do in-school programming has been a shock. Um, but the irony for me personally is that when the pandemic started, I wasn't doing much in-person teaching of kids at all. You know, I'm, I'm doing mostly professional development, mm -hmm. um, oversight, curriculum development, writing, um, supervising. And for me personally, what was really interesting when the pandemic started was through um, live stream and recorded classes, I started actually teaching a lot more again. Um, and that's settled down a bit now, um, but it was really a lot of fun. And I was, <laughs> when it started, I'm like, oh my God, am I actually having fun with this? Because I'm just mm -hmm. teaching through a computer, but it had been a while since I had really just been like playing and teaching and like um, thinking about new ways to connect with kids. And that's why I fell in love with teaching yoga and mindfulness to kids, because it was a real way to connect that felt authentic, that felt like I was connecting based on um, who they were and what they needed, not like what the grownups wanted from them, mm -hmm. right? So the pandemic and, and teaching through Zoom and through Facebook Live and, and just teaching in these um, ways that are using technology, it, it kind of brought up that same like, oh, now I get to creatively figure out a new way to connect with kids. Um, and that was really exciting and interesting for me. Um, the other thing that has been really great for me during this time, um, amid a lot of things that are challenging, um, is that I've been working more with families and parents um, since the kids are home, you know, through a lot of our schools. Our schools have been offering resources through us directly to their families. Um, I started um, a new course um, in collaboration with the Omega Institute on helping kids navigate anxiety. Um, that was meant to be an in-person course, but we converted it to an online course. And I've had the opportunity to connect with so many parents. And that feels like being helpful on um, a whole different level and in a whole different way. Mm -hmm. um, there's another 
there's like another level of intimacy to it um, that feels very human. It feels, it feels good. It feels like I'm making a difference um, and really helping people at a time when they're totally overwhelmed. Yeah, completely. Well, you've said it in, I think a few ways, but um, how you're saying that what you love about yoga and mindfulness for kids is that um, you're just connecting with the human. There's no goal. There's no, I come from a dance background. So it was always let's practice, let's rehearse for the recital and we'll work on that. And I loved being with kids, but I, when I found yoga for kids, like, oh, I could just be present with them and just be with them and honor who they are. So with you saying that, I'm like, oh, that's exactly, I I feel the exact same way. Like that's exact, that's why I got into it too. Um, But that's so wonderful that you are connecting like with families now and parents. Mm -hmm. And um, what inspired you to, so you've written a few books, right? So you've had, you have your little flower book um, about kids yoga and then you've got your children's book can you first tell me about your um your first book and what inspired you to write that sure yeah it's that's actually a book for parents so i wrote that book while i was pregnant um so with my first i wrote uh, i i did the proposal for the book before then but it was really a book that was based on the core little flower yoga methodology which is this five element program of connect breathe move focus and relax so all of our programming our our school-based curriculum, our training, all of our programming um, revolves around these five elements. And the book is a guide um, for primarily caregivers, but certainly lots of educators and and some mental health care providers use it as well. Um, It was a guide to introduce these practices to kids in ways that are manageable because most of the people who want to share these practices with their own kids, um, they don't feel like they have the knowledge to do it. They don't feel confident to do it. And I wanted to offer something that simplified it, that made it less overwhelming, um, but that still was really effective. And that that structure, you know, giving people a structure, like here's the five things, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you can do them in this order and then you can mix and match and, and think about um, evolving and expanding and changing it to meet your kids' needs and, and their likes and their preferences. But here's a framework. Um, I, I had talked to so many people and that framework was so helpful for helping them like organize what they were doing that I really wanted to write it down. <laughs> so that was right. my first book. Um, and I, it was funny to me. Um, of course, it's, it feels a little more ironic now with an eight-year-old and a three-year-old that I'm like, oh, I wrote a book for parents before I was a parent. Of course I did. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Isn't that the way? Uh, but, yeah. I, <laughs> but you know, I read it. I read like some big chunks of it recently because I was like, how does this hold up? Does this need another edition? Is this like, you know, dated now? Um, and of course, like I've learned more and I would add to it and there's things that I would do a little bit differently or write a little differently, just um, evolving. But I'm, I'm very proud to say that I felt like it did hold up, <laughs> um, even though I wasn't a parent at the time. I wasn't trying to write a parenting book. I was, I was trying to, um, you know, offer a tool to parents right. um, and to caregivers in general. Um, but then I, you know, I wrote a whole in between that and these children's books. I wrote um, a whole bunch of card decks and an activity book. Um, But then the last couple of years, I've written two children's picture books that are just so 
joyful um, to work on. And it, again, it was one of those things where it'd been like a decade since I was like every day directly talking to kids. And these books, Thank You Body, Thank You Heart, and my, my newest book, Thank You Mind, are books that I just wrote with my own kids in mind that like, I was just like, I just wanna talk directly to kids. And I didn't expect them to be as much fun um, <laughs> as they were. And then like just launching them and releasing them. And, and when I released Thank You Body, Thank You Heart, I was able to do like book signings for kids and book readings for mm -hmm. kids. It's just so fun. And so now is your, your newest one, is it, it's Thank You Mind? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that book? Sure. Um, so Thank You Mind. So like I said, I have an eight-year-old and a three-year-old and I've worked with, you know, thousands of kids. And it's always made me a little bit sad to see how many kids um, relate to their kind of inner voice as a critic. And you know, we, we talk about this in yoga and in mindfulness, but also just in life, like we're not always our own best friend, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and thank you mind. I, I wanted to um, explore for kids directly the idea that we have a really wide range of emotions, right? All of our experiences are a part of who we are and we can use our own mind like to be a friend to ourselves um, or to be hurtful to ourselves. And Thank You Mind is a book that kind of takes kids on this journey through all their different emotions, um, not all of them, <laughs> but a lot of different emotions, um, challenging ones and positive ones, and explores um, kind of a, an inspirational, aspirational type of way that we could use our own mind to talk to ourselves during different emotional experiences um, and, and be a supportive friend. And the idea is um, to help kids sort of gently make friends with their own mind and, and cultivate gratitude for their capacity to have self-compassion um, and self-talk and, and perspective taking and reframing. Um, and it certainly is not in any way about, you know, feeling our feelings less. It's about cultivating compassion um, and, and becoming friends with ourselves, becoming good friends with our own mind. And you wrote this pre-pandemic or during I the did. pandemic? I wrote it Because this is like really pertinent now. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy. The book was just released like two weeks ago. And, wow. but the whole... I mean, the whole book was written before the pandemic. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the final um, editing and, and publishing shenanigans all were taking place during this pandemic. And it's like, it's been shocking, like rereading the book and, and doing some readings online and how um, connected it feels to what's happening right now, even though it wasn't written during this. And, the fact that it feels so relevant now, even though it was written before the pandemic, for me is a good reminder that even though, of course, this situation with COVID is devastating and you know the whole world is using the word unprecedented, of course, and, and it's really dramatically impacting so many people. I mean, everybody really, but, but some more than others those core human emotions that we're having during this pandemic, like 
they were there. <laughs> they were mm -hmm. there before this. And for our kids, especially many of the things that, you know, we may be used to as adults or take for granted or think they're not um, paying as much attention to, like their lives are intense. <laughs> Even before mm. the pandemic, you know, all these big feelings that we, we as adults are having now during the pandemic, that's kind of like childhood. Mm. <laughs> you know, if you think back, you know, you're having all these feelings, some of them yeah. for the first time, you know, even right yeah. now during this pandemic, the pandemic might not be the biggest thing happening for our kids. It might be for some, but it might also not be the thing that's evoking the biggest, strongest, trickiest yeah. emotions for them. So I, it's, it's been interesting to launch the book now um, during this time, but it was written for the tricky days that all kids have because one of the jobs of childhood is learning about the full range of human emotion and how to deal with that, you know, yeah. and how to not be afraid of your feelings and how to make sense out of what you're experiencing and, and use your emotions to help you gather information and learn more about yourself and the world and who you are. And that project happens for kids no matter what they're living through. I, I hadn't thought of that, but you're so right. Cause I, on any given day, and I'm sure most people feel this way. I'm like all over the place during this pandemic. Like, like you, when you, when I saw the title, big feelings, I'm like, Oh, that's, I mean, that describes the, the last year. And it's surprising sometimes to feel like such joy and then just such um, sadness so quickly. And I hadn't thought about like for kids, like that's, they just feel everything. So that's their reality. And that's how we were as children and we tend to disconnect from. So I'm just so glad you wrote this book. I'm the timing of it is actually, I think so perfect. I think that kids need this. I think honestly, I'm like, Oh, I want to read it like for myself. Like I'll read it to my daughter, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it'll be for me too. Cause I need to, I need that message. Also that inner critic. Yeah. It's heartbreaking yeah. to think, cause I know that I have that. I know um, adults have that, but it's heartbreaking to think as children that they already have that inner critical voice and to address I mean, that. Yeah. They live in the world, you know, and, right. and they, they live in our world. Right. So when mm. the grownups, um, when we relate to ourselves with that inner critic, you know, that's what we're teaching them as normal. You know, mm. the way that we talk to ourselves, the way we talk to each other, the way we talk to people when they're not there, the way, you know, the, the way that we, um, you know, the way that we judge ourselves, our kids see that even if we um, are, even if we try to be careful to not say things out loud in front of them, mm. they're like experts at energy and emotion and body language. And like, that's, that's important for kids. Like that's, that's a survival mechanism for kids, right. To, to read the grownups, like to read the adults in the room. Um, and they don't intellectualize that they're doing it to keep themselves safe, but they are on a, on a biological mm -hmm. level, right. The, the emotional state of the person in charge of you is a very important factor in your own safety. Mm. Right? So our kids are highly attuned to our emotions and we can't hide them. We can't, you know, our, our face, our body language, our tone of voice, our breathing. Um, our kids are paying attention to those things all the time. And they're so aware um, of how we relate to our lives and ourselves um, that how can they help but absorb the way mm. we treat ourselves. Right. Well, th so that brings me to something my 
friend and I talk about often, which is like, okay, I'm struggling. I am trying to honor my own emotions. And then right now I'm raising a four-year-old and a one-year-old. So then I'm feeling these emotions, they're feeling big feelings. And then I'm feeling guilty for maybe not handling things how I should be handling them. So <laughs> it's kind of like this cycle. It's like guilty. <laughs> so it's a cycle. It's like mm-hmm. I can't I feel like I can't win. I don't know. Do you have any advice concerning like maybe I'm just seeing it? Like, is there a way that we can view this where we're be, I guess being kinder to ourselves? Yeah. Well, you, you just said it, right. You know, it, you know, you, you know, the answer to your question. And I think most of us do too, especially as parents, you know, we know that one of the best things we can do for our kids is, um, take care of ourselves. And it's a little, um, it it feels a little crazy making. I know as a, as a mom with a full-time business and two kids who are home right now, and you know, it's, it's a messy life. It's like, almost feels like a joke, but I think (laughs) when we talk about taking care of ourselves, we have to shift from like, what do we really mean? You know, because we can think about it in terms of like, oh, I need alone time. I need music. I need a bath. I need, right. And those things may or may not be possible right now. Um, but or ever, right? For some people. But the thing is like the bigger, I, I think the bigger picture version of taking care of ourselves is really rooted in self-compassion. It's rooted in boundaries, right? And, and being able to um, being able to decide what our boundaries are and hold them without guilt and without shame um, and model that for our kids, sometimes even boundaries with our own kids, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and that can be really challenging, but it's also teaching them a really important thing about uh, valuing themselves. I always try to remind myself, like, as much as I want to do for my kids, they're more likely to... Um, learn how they should treat themselves by how I'm treating myself than mm-hmm. myself than by how I'm treating them. Right. So yep. if I have no boundaries, if I'm, if I'm upset, if I'm a wreck, if I'm overwhelmed, if I'm exhausted and I'm just like, yes, whatever you want. Yes, whatever you want. Yes, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching them that that's what they should do. Right. When that's not what I want for them, but why is it okay for me? Right. So, so having boundaries, having self-compassion and crucially, like learning and and practicing our own emotional regulation skills. And that doesn't mean pushing our feelings away or trying to feel them less or pretending they're not there, but just recognizing that, um, you know, I'm feeling an emotion in my body. Doesn't mean it's always going to be there, right? It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to control what I'm doing, but it might be trying to tell me something. And maybe that something is like, you, you need to sit down or you need to drink (laughs) some water or you need to tell your kids like, I need a 10 minute break from anybody talking. So I'm going to go in this other room and close the door. I love you very much, but I can't be the kind of parent I want to be to you right now unless I gather my own thoughts. Right. And if they're upset when you come out of that room, you know, you can't like leave for hours, but like, (laughs) you know, if if it's physically safe, right. And with a one-year-old, sometimes that can be hard, but if it's physically safe, 
to step back for a moment or you know if if your kids always sometimes people are in situations where like the kids are really like preferring one parent in that day mm -hmm. for whatever reason and you're like you feel like you can't but you actually can because there's somebody there who can mm -hmm. keep that child physically safe and knowing that they're not alone and abandoned right you can even though your kid's screaming right sometimes they just need to scream sometimes yeah. they need to blow and you know one thing that i've been um thinking about a lot lately because i have a, a three-year-old who is mm -hmm. <laughs> we keep joking that she's our three-nager you know and and she but she what she really is is a three-year-old whose entire world fell apart eight months ago and she hasn't seen another three-year-old in eight months you know she loved her preschool and now she's like mad but she doesn't know she's mad you know she doesn't know why she's mad i mean she she kind of does but she has really big feelings and she doesn't fully understand them. So one of the things that I'm noticing is like when she needs to get her big feelings out, she finds a boundary to push against. Mm. And if I don't hold the boundary, then I steal the opportunity for her to have kind of the meltdown that she needs to have. Like she might need to cry or yell or just be mad at the world. And she doesn't know that she's mad at the world. She thinks she's mad about whatever, the sandwich, right? But she's not. And, and I have to be the grown up to know that. She's mad at the world and she needs me to say no to this piece of candy so she could rage mm. against me because three-year-olds don't have an opportunity, right? To, to like rage against the world and then make sense of their experience. So, you know, holding those boundaries as a parent it, it say it protects you too, right? But it also gives your kids the opportunity um, to have all of their big feelings, right? And for you to just be there like, you can be super mad, it's okay, right? And then just, that's it, you're just super mad. Mm -hmm. The only thing happening now. <laughs> right, I mean, I can relate to that so much because I've got a four-year-old, so it, I mean, um, what you're saying and describing, I noticed what hadn't really just like processed, but that, yeah, there's times when I'm like, oh, she's about to, she's about to blow. Cause I said no to the candy or whatever. Um, and there's been times when I'm just like, oh, it's just easier. Let's just do this. But then like 10 minutes later, it's something else. And I'm like, oh, got it. Okay. She's just got to do this. Um, but you're so right. They, they're processing it. They don't, they're mad. They're expressing it it's up to us to just yeah. do our best when we can. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we yeah. can't and then that's okay too. And that's real too, right? Like there's just also like self-preservation and with siblings and like, you know, it, like mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, okay, you can even recognize it. Okay. Like this kid needs a boundary so that they can have a big emotional experience right now. But I need to like push that boundary 10 minutes because if that yes. explosion yes. happens right now, I can't it's going it. to be this like chain of events that is, it's, we can't come back from today. Right. Right? Yeah, so there, like, it's, it's okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know yourself. There, there, yeah. There are times when I'm like, oh, I'm in a good mental space and I see her about to lose it. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Like, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. I'm like, I could do it right now. Like, let's let it out. <laughs> I could yeah. hold space right now. Um, Thank you for all of that. I think parents yeah. listening are going to be like, oh, I'm not alone. Yeah, um, of course. And I think there's there's something else that's really important here about this, though, is like if 
sometimes you can't control it. Sometimes you can't delay it. Right. And like your kid just loses it and then you lose it. Right. And I think it's important that even though we think about like striving to kind of model and have our own emotional regulation and provide those boundaries, like if your kid loses it and then you lose it, that doesn't mean you're a crappy parent and you should just like sweep it under the rug and like go watch TV. Like it's, it's, it's absolutely perfect. As long as everyone stays safe, it's absolutely <laughs> perfect that sometimes we lose it when our kids lose it, because then we can talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. Then we can model repair. Then we can say like, what did that feel like for you? That felt really intense for me. Um, I'm sorry I said this and that. That's, that's not how I want to be. I got really overwhelmed and I forgot to do my stuff. I forgot to pause and do my breath work or go for a walk or, or tell myself some kind thoughts. Like I forgot to do the things that help me when I get super overwhelmed and I'm sorry I took it out on you. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. changes the game for our kids because it means that when they explode, they're just being human. Right. And they don't have to internalize all the guilt and the shame and the, Mm -hmm. should I make my feelings smaller and should I hide them? And should I pretend that they don't exist because, oh, the people I love most in the world, they have those moments too. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That's so important to remember. That repair part is so important and it's part of just relationships and being human. Mm -hmm. Especially um, when we're all like 24-7 cooped up with each yes, other. Like yes, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, I could talk to you about this forever, but I'll, <laughs> I will um, start to wrap up. Um, I love to end episodes with little kids yoga gems. So yeah. um, if you could offer someone who's just starting out in kids yoga, who wants to share it with children, one piece of advice, what would that be? Um, oh, there's so many. Um, but I think that um, focusing on choice and agency are words that are always in my mind. And what I mean by that is, you know, I want kids to engage with yoga um, from their own inner knowing of themselves. And I want them to be able to use the practice as a way to get to know themselves better and learn to listen to their inner voice, learn to listen to their intuition, um, learn to listen to their body. Um, And I think the only way we can really cultivate that for our kids is if in the teaching of the practices, we build in lots of opportunities for them to make choices. And choices where like, there's not an obvious right answer. Nobody's coming to help them, right? They only have their own internal um, experience to to provide the answers, to help them make the choices. Um, and, And I think about doing that as like such a core part of the teaching is giving them opportunities to pay attention to their own body, their own breath, their own mindset and make choices. And then, you know, that other word I said was agency. And I build that into everything I do with the kids because I want them to learn that what they do with their body, with their breath, with their mind has an impact on how they feel, has an impact on their life, that they're agents in their own life. And a lot of our kids are kind of walking through the world, assuming that 
how they feel is mostly based on what happens to them. You know, like my mom's having a bad day, so I'm having a bad day. You know, like input comes mm-hmm. in um, and I rearrange my insides um, to kind of match the input. And I think, you know, that's the experience for a lot of our kids. And kids don't know just by virtue of existing that they can really be agents in their own life. They don't know mm-hmm. that unless they learn it. Um, and I think that yoga is one of the few places um, that it can be actively taught um, or that it's prioritized as actively taught, you know, because so much of their other learning, their academic learning, um, the, even the learning they do in, in sports and like there's so many other important kinds of learning, but it's got other goals, you know, there's mm-hmm. just other priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, you know, we can prioritize, you know, hey, you have valuable information to share with your own mind and you can be an agent in your own life. And that's what I focus on and everything else is just kind of gravy. I love that so much. That's so powerful. Um, Thank you so much. I would love for people um, who don't know where to find you for you to just let us know where can we find you and your books and all that stuff? Yeah, sure. So um, the easiest place is just littleflowerYoga.com and, you know, everything's there. Um, and then I have um, on Instagram and Facebook, all of those is basically at Little Flower Yoga um, or also at Jennifer Cohen Harper. And if you go, especially on Instagram at Jennifer Cohen Harper, that content is really more focused on um on families and on my book and on, on kids directly. Um, whereas the little flower yoga content, um, tends to be more education and mental health focused. Um, and then my, my children's books, thank you body, thank you heart. And thank you mind are all, you know, the normal places, Amazon and and bookshop.org and Barnes and Noble and all those sorts of, um, places where people buy books. Great. Great. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And I just loved um, connecting with you. Um, and I hope we stay in touch. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having me and, and take care and be nice to yourself. Your, yeah, kid, so. your kids need you to be nice to yourself. <laughs> thank you. I needed to hear that today. Yeah, I understand. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed the episode and you haven't already, I would really appreciate if you can leave a rating and review and also subscribe to the podcast. This helps people find the podcast and direct more people towards it so we can spread kids yoga to more children. You can also follow us at the Kids Yoga Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And you can always send me an email at the kids yoga podcast at gmail.com. I love to hear your feedback, your questions, and any ideas you have for future episodes. So thank you so much for being here and for listening, and I hope to see you next week.